Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. All right, we're at the Northeast Cannabis Business Conference in Boston, and the NCIA podcast studio is right here on the expo floor, so that means I get to talk to a lot of people in one day. My next guest is Ashley Boucher from Quality Control Analytics. Welcome to my booth. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so as NCIA's 10-year anniversary as an organization is this year, huzzah, it's 2020, it's a big deal. We were founded in 2010, which is even four years before adult use laws rolled out in Colorado and Washington State. Both states looked very different when that happened. Um, so there's a lot to reflect on in how far we've come and all the challenges and the ups and the downs and the excitement um, and the lessons learned along the way, too. Ten years ago, in 2010, what were you doing? And could you have imagined you would be in the cannabis space? Uh, Ten years ago, I was 21 and pregnant with my first daughter. And I was living in a basement. And my, um, my at the time, boyfriend, now my husband's basement... In his, in his grandmother's house, um, I was very scared, and I was like, what am I going to do? And 10 years later, um, I am now the first res- accredited responsible vendor trainer in the state of Massachusetts. Um, so I've got a come-up story there. Um, reflecting on the past uh, has been a lot these past few Um, months really we've been reflecting a lot on the past Um, did I ever think I was going to be in the cannabis industry well 10 years ago uh, legalization in Massachusetts seemed uh, a little far-fetched I didn't think that they were going to um, ever legalize cannabis the way they have currently so 10 years ago I didn't think that um, I would ever end up in the industry I'm certainly glad I am here now though Um, Despite all the challenges and frustrations and headaches, it is a very rewarding and, and um, important movement to be a part of. I think we're making history every day, honestly. I, I couldn't agree more, and I thank God every day that I have been fortunate enough to um, have been blessed to have this accreditation to provide responsible vendor training, um, consumer education, and really um, advocate for safe use and consumption in the industry. Um, And also, I want to not only work with the cannabis industry, but we've also been working with police departments, um, trying to get into some school departments to give the teachers and parents um, education. So it's it's fun. Um, I'm very, I feel very fortunate that this is where I did end up. 
Awesome. And as a mother, too, you, you see the importance of consumer safety and keeping it out of the hands of children, but also the medical applications for those children that are benefiting from it as a medicine, I'm sure. So there's both sides to that. Absolutely. Um, when I went uh, to my children's school district and I said, you know, the nurses and the parents and the teachers need to understand um, cannabis and the safe use of cannabis um, and legal and what illegal looks like. And when I was saying, you know, there are going to be times when there are going to be children who are medical patients and will have to have access to medicine during school times. And the superintendent looked at me and said, they give this to children? Um, so when we're talking about our medical uh, patients who are youth, we really need to advocate for them as well because um, there's a lot of misconceptions in the oh, use yeah. of cannabis medically for our youth. Um, of course, there's always there's a difference between use and abuse with youth, um, but if they're medical patients under supervision, um, the schools need to be aware of this and how mm -hmm. to accommodate those students. And the lack of education that the administrators have that are responsible for making these rules um, is a little concerning. And not only that, but their lack of wanting to know. Mm. That also. Um, yeah, that reefer madness is a, is a sticky one to shake off in, in a lot of ways. So we just have to keep on with the education side of things, absolutely, and destigmatize. Um, so the, the future is bright, I think. I mean, we're, we're all cautiously optimistic here. Um, it, it's, it's quite a road, it's quite a journey to legalization, whether we're talking medical or adult use, um, or hemp for that matter. Um, where do you see, after having seen what you've seen, where do you see 10 years from now into the future, our industry? Um, I see in 10 years to the future, a beautiful industry. I am not cautiously optimistic. I'm just completely optimistic. All in. All in. I, um, I think that because cannabis is such a powerful medicine, uh, we don't have a choice but to see this succeed and see this be a successful industry with, but that comes with a lot of responsibility, like um, safe consumption, consumer education, um, having our medical um, professionals uh, to come into the industry because there's a lot about cannabis that we know and a lot more that we don't know. Um, so I see the cannabis industry, um, everybody working better together. We're going to all be the entourage effect, right? Um, there are going to mm -hmm. be every, all from all different industries. We're going to be working together. Um, I hope to see that more people will be cultivating these crops at home. Mm -hmm. um, I hope to see people will be raw juicing their cannabis plants mm -hmm. and eating that fresh and salad. That it's not only, you know, we're going to consume cannabis for, you know, fun or recreational uses, but we're going to incorporate some of those therapeutic benefits that don't give us the psychoactive effects into our everyday lifestyle, too. That's where I see cannabis. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so as we wrap our chat up here, um, one thing we were mentioning earlier as we sat down was kind of the tax burden, not only that the companies themselves have because of IRS tax code 280E, these companies that are direct to plant can't take normal business tax deductions. So sometimes the cost gets passed on to the consumers on top of the taxes that are required for the consumer to pay on top of that. Like, this is, this is getting a little insane. And, and I think 
you might, you might agree with me, this could drive consumers back to the illicit market instead of the regulated market where the cannabis is tested. Absolutely. Um, we see in Massachusetts, uh, there's about a 20% sales tax um, additionally on any product. That's so not nothing. On, on the adult use side. Yeah. So medical, if you have a medical card, you're not taxed. A little bit but, less, yeah. Yeah. Um, but what the problem is, is that um, it makes it the products very unreasonably costly to afford. Mm -hmm. So that keeps the black and gray markets alive and well. Um, if you're taxing a product and your consumers um, can't reasonably afford that, then you're going to keep the black market alive. Even one of the police departments I was working with, they asked me, why don't they just take the taxes off? That would shrink their black market. Um, I'm not, you know, and when I'm saying black market, I'm saying there are people taking, taking advantage um, on the black market of consumers who cannot afford um, quality tested products. Mm -hmm. So, it, and it makes the it makes the job for your police officers more difficult to say, well, who's doing this legally and who's doing it illegally? It makes their job more complicated. Um, it does keep the black market alive and well. Um, if you look even at the cost of your legal cannabis versus your black market cannabis, um, you know, there's there's a great difference in there. So yeah, um, the taxes are for real. Yeah, they really are. Um, I mean, my experience um, 10 years ago living in Maryland, it was kind of difficult for me to come come across it. And I was probably paying like 60, 70 dollars an eighth. And then I moved to Colorado, adult use legalization and 40, 40, 50. Like, so this was, you know, even, even though I had to pay more taxes, I think it was like 30 something percent tax at the time because there were two tax layers for the consumer. Even with the taxes basically making up for it, I felt better about it. It was a more straightforward experience where I could walk into a dispensary, talk to a bud tender, not sketchy at all. Super straightforward. Here's my cash. Thank you very much for the bag of marijuana. And off I go. Much better experience than purchasing from the illicit market. Absolutely. And there is, it's a much better experience. Um, but consumers, when they see the price, they're they don't want to go into the dispensary. Um, so how do we get them in there? Because also if they're purchasing off the illicit market, they're not getting consumer education, right? They're oh, no. not getting products that have been tested um, for contaminants. You know, cannabis is a bioremediator. Everything in that soil is ending up in that final flower. Um, so for consumer safety, keeping the, the illicit market um, thriving is can be dangerous right so yep illicit market drug dealers do not lab test their cannabis yes. <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's safe to say that they don't yeah so it would be nice to see a way for especially in massachusetts for them to drive those costs down so that more patients can get reputably sourced um, cannabis products at a reasonable price, get consumer education, understand the ways, methods and for safe consumption, you know, know what's in their products, having great transparency. Um, and part of that, you know, comes with reducing some of those taxes on the product if they can and helping reduce some of the tax burdens that the companies face themselves. Yep. Um, it's a very costly market and that's why mm -hmm. we do see the prices so high. Um, so. Yeah, I I hope the states are really enjoying that tax revenue for now, though. 
All right. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for popping into the NCA podcast studio today and chatting with me a bit. And uh, good luck as Massachusetts continues to roll out their, their adult use this year. Yeah. Can I give, I'm also speaking at 2 o'clock. So, and you also spoke at the conference. Uh, what were you talking about on your panel? Responsible sourcing standards. Um, I will be speaking, I spoke about responsible sourcing standards um, and how if we have transparent uh, ways to source our products that we're adding into our final cannabis product um, and anything that's being added into the soils for nutrients in those uh, cultivating processes, when you know what you're putting in there, um, when you know how to track all those lots and when you can have direct communications with the suppliers for those, um, those products, then you can help to mitigate the risk of introducing unintentional hazards into your supply chain. Um, and you can also increase consumer safety um, and increase your bottom line by trying to reduce um, any recalled products or um, anything that's uh, damaging to your brand image, so. Great, that's really important information. Thanks for being a part of the conference this year. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, enjoy the rest of the show. expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.